0: This is Rob Peary with the Coffee Runs Deep Podcast, where we interview coffee farmers, coffee roasters, and we share their stories. Truly hope you enjoy the experience. What's up, guys? We have a cool show for y'all today. My buddy Mo and I are going to be going over his plans for his coffee farm in Columbia, where his family is from. We're also going to dive into how to price coffee down there and how adding an Airbnb model to his coffee farm can diversify his investment. So let's dive in and see what Mo has to share with us. Welcome to the Coffee Runs Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Peary. And today we have a special guest, Mauricio Batero. And uh, I'm actually sipping on some of their coffee now. It's a carbonic maceration coffee. But first, go ahead and introduce yourself and then uh, tell them what you're kind of cooking up and roasting up.
1: Oh, where do we start? So hello, everybody. My name is Mauricio. I am a Colombian-American First generation born in Miami, Florida, but all of my family comes from Colombia, and they all come from the same city in the same town. Uh, so, growing up, you know, very um, in a bubble of South Florida, growing up Hispanic and uh, drinking coffee since I was a little kid, you know, for us Hispanics, it usually starts with cafe con leche. They put, you know, some hot, hot milk, some sugar, and that's a very, very typical way to grow up uh, drinking coffee. But fast forward, I uh, joined the Marine Corps to get out of Miami, believe it or not. That was my way to figure out how to get out of there. And I uh, did computers and uh, became a computer professional after I got out. And I uh, did pretty well. So fast forward, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in my job. I got into sales in the computer world and started looking at building wealth. So I got into real estate. And I know this is weird because we're talking about coffee, but I promise you I'm getting there. And uh, so fast forward, I'm I'm getting to the real estate investing world, learning how to how to value property, how to buy undervalued property, improve it, improve the value of it. I'm learning about um, tenants and keeping them happy. And uh, you know, fast forward, I go and visit my family all the time in Colombia, and all my family, uncles, aunts, cousins. My dad lives in Colombia, and uh, as I come back and I'm talking to my sales coworkers and and I'm talking about real estate all the time bugging them all the time about real estate. They're like, listen, you you want me to buy a house with you in, in this city here, or this city there, that's that's all fine any. I want to go to Columbia with you. Like, let me know when I can go with you to Columbia. I want to go on these horse rides you're talking about. I want to go to these coffee farms you're talking about. And you let me know when you do something with coffee there. And I was like, oh, good. You know, seed planted a little bit. And uh, so fast forward, I get offered or, um, I get uh, a prospective passive investment deal brought to me from some of the real estate people I follow. Invest in this coffee farm in Panama. So the deal was, you know, let's say like fifteen thousand dollars. You get a slice of land from a large land that they kind of sliced out in lots, and it's your land titled in your name. And we will manage it for you, farm it for you, and you just get profit from it, right? And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Only in a coffee farm, man. That's awesome. But- a little ego in me. Why don't I buy Panama coffee? I'm Colombian, right? I, I don't even drink Panamanian coffee. I don't think I've ever even had it. You know, I could do this in Colombia. And then I get uh I get offered a passive investment deal in a coffee farm in Colombia. And this one is more formal uh real estate syndication route, and they're raising money from a pool of passive investors, they're gonna buy two or three farms. They're gonna improve the beneficio or the um, the wet milling and dry milling equipment there on the farm. They're going to then get another round of funding and and really kind of change things of how farms are bought in Colombia. And I was like, wow, okay, now we're talking. But it's not in the state where my family's from, it's not in the city where my family's from. I was like, yeah, man, I could probably do this. So I call my dad. Hey dad, I got offered this. What do you think? He goes, no, your cousin is this, your uncle's this. Did you know my best friend's a coffee consultant? Did you know your tia is a accountant? And I was like, what? So I go down the rabbit hole and lo and behold, I'm starting my own coffee farm slash vacation rental in Columbia using the, the experience that I have and the, um, the things I've learned in real estate to pull a fund of funds together from coworkers, friends, family. And we're going to buy a farm we're going to buy a uh, farmhouse, rent it out, short-term rentals. But also, it's going to be for where we stay, the investors themselves. So that's the idea,
0: dude. That's like
1: a lot going so back cool. there.
0: Yeah, that's so cool, dude. It's like one of those things you already have, like kind of the resources down there, the help, the family, and stuff like that. So, um, what would would they be helping you with the farm, or is this something you and your dad are kind of going to? kind of do more on y'all's own or y'all want to kind of make it more of a family event down there?
1: Kind of. Yes, but mostly no. Right. So I'm trying to run this strictly as a business, very, you know, very tight on things like accounting. Everything's got to be legal. So I'm, I got an attorney and an accountant down there, Columbia. It's actually an American firm that expanded into Columbia. So they, they speak fluent English and they kind of know they use QuickBooks, right? They use things that we're familiar with, but they're, Ingrained in Columbia. Uh, so my dad mostly is going to be my eyes, right? He's my trusted agent. He's my, you know, my, uh, my consigliere, right? He's going to make sure everything's being done right. But I'm get, I'm hiring professionals to do their job. I, I'm a full time employee. You know, I can't run a coffee farm. I can't be there, you know, picking cherries, right? So I'm hiring a farmer. I'm hiring an administrator. I'll I'll get more into that later. The guy who actually lives on the farm with his wife and runs the day-to-day operations of the farm. Um, I'm going to have a banker, an attorney, an accountant, and a consultant, right? I'm going to have multiple consultants um, helping me improve the farm specialty coffee-wise, making sure I get what I want, um, the varietals that I want and the scores that I need in order to sell the coffee that I need to make this coffee farm profitable. But then also on the property side, right? A vacation property manager that's one of the things i'm still struggling with now that i'm still searching is finding that right uh, platform and person to help me manage the vacation rental side of it gotcha does that answer so, your question
0: yeah no yeah that's yeah that's that's perfect the um so then as far as y'all's coffee and stuff you're going to be kind of producing have, have you decided on on that yet like variety and stuff like that or y'all still kind of picking through all that
1: I think it depends on what we find, but I know that I want to make specialty coffee only. It's the only way to be really profitable now, and we could definitely talk more about that. The farm I just went to this week, I just came back from Colombia. The farm that I went to just week, this weekend is run by a guy in the city that my family's from called Armenia, and he has every flavor of specialty coffee varietal you can imagine. He's got pink bourbon, red bourbon, He's got names I haven't even heard of. He's got some experimental stuff. He's got Castillo, Colombia. He's got um, Caturra. He's got a couple of old Arabicas, like the OG original Arabicas. Um, so not exactly. I haven't figured that part out yet. But, you know, first things first, I got to find the right lands at the right elevation with the right view that has the space for the, the cabins or the, the farmhouse that I want to build.
0: Okay. So you're thinking kind of multi like purpose like like you're saying. So you want a good view, like where you can, you know, get the property rental type stuff going as well. So gotcha. That's that's Got gonna be a cool concept. Now I think that's a great way to kind of work it too, because if your coffee, you know, prices are down one year, you can always, you know, supplement that with, you know, the income you'd be getting from, you know, like rental rental season or something like that. What's what's the seasons like down there? Is it pretty y'all get cold like during the <laughs> winter time, like pretty good or? They don't know what cold is. Every time I go down there and they're like, oh, it's
1: cold. I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, you know, it gets DC, 10 right? degrees
1: colder. Yeah. So yeah. I'm here in DC. I'm looking out my window and there's snow and we're going to get some more snow today. Then I go to Columbia this past weekend and I'm like shedding layers as I get off the airport in Miami and get to Columbia. So they, they get winter. And their winter is just a little little bit colder, but it's not winter, you know, in our terms, right? However, it does introduce things to their farming. Um, Interestingly enough, I was in this one farm during the winter this weekend. There was a bunch of mosquitoes. And they're like, ah, the mosquitoes are out because it's winter. I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. I'm used to the inverse. But I guess the weather dropped it into the temperature range that, you know, for whatever reason, made it more for bugs to be out. But they have two... They have two main harvests in Colombia. One usually, and this is all depending on what region and and uh, what elevation. Everything changes about how high you are and what region you are in the country. Uh, but you know, in this in this part of the country where my family's from, it's usually kind of like a March-April thing and a September-October thing. Um, and and each farm could be different. They still pick coffee throughout the year, small lots like small collections but the main harvest is in the beginning of the year and the main secondary harvest is in the, uh, in the fall.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's roll into what's it like for the farmers down there. So like, you know, when, when you're down there around the farms, like this last time, what was it like for them?
1: It's uh, it's interesting. So I, I get, take it to all use the story of what just happened. Right. So I get introduced to this farmer. Um, he's running a local roasting shop in the city and I got a, a tip from, uh, from this farmer that I've been talking to who's his client. She, she sends her green coffee to him, to his business, and he roasts it, labels it, packages it, and then, then she sells it from there. So she said to me, oh, you met Carlos. You met Don Carlos. Talk to him about the farm that he's selling. He's, he's selling a farm, his farm. So I said, hey, you know, I just met you, but are you selling a farm? He said, yeah, come, come, come with my family. We're going to the farm right now. So I, me and my dad go 20 minutes up a mountain following Don Carlos and his wife and kids, get up to the top of the mountain. And when you get to coffee farms in Colombia, and this is what I can only speak to, there's usually um, an older gentleman with a wife, right? This is very typical what you're going to find. So he's called el administrador or the administrator, or sometimes they call him the Major Domo, And his job is to live there, right? He lives there on that farm. And he gets, he's an employee of the farm. In Colombia, there's employees and there's contractors. They're pretty, I learned, I was just learning about this. They're really strict about how you differentiate one or the other, because if you are an employee and you do employee-like things, you deserve a salary and you deserve pension and healthcare and benefits, right? And the employer has to pay it. And so that's a law there. And they're, they're pretty strict about that. So him and his wife are employees of the farm. And then there's workers and their workers come and go, right? Their contractor, they, they surge up when coffee needs to be picked and then they surge down when there's nothing to do. And that's the typical way that you find it. So I showed up there and you got guys with these big hats with machetes, you know, strapped around their, their uh, shoulders. And they got the big rubber boots and they're just eating fruit from the trees and they're just hanging out drinking coffee. And then the, the, the owner shows up, the farmer shows up and they kind of, Hello, Don Carlos. Hello, Don Mauricio. They call me Don, which was pretty cool. And, um, and so they start showing you around. And they live there, but they don't live in the main house. They usually have a side house, which, which is the workers' housing. And that's one of the things that I have three things that I want to just do a little different when I go to Colombia. And that's one of them. They live pretty rough. I mean, these aren't glorified, you know, luxury standards the living that they're living in, right? Uh, so it's usually kind of transiental tra- transitional housing for the workers who are there for picking season. but then the major Domo and his wife have a, have a, a room and, and a bathroom. It's not typical that there's hot water. It's not typical that there's you know a, a nice kitchen. It's kind of they're cooking over wood fire typically. Um, I've seen better I've seen worse. Right. But it's very typical for them to have a kind of stove where you just shove uh, wood underneath a, a grate and they cook over open wood fires. Um, there's electricity. That's not a problem. Electricity and running water. Not a problem anywhere you go in Columbia. They're very, very good about having um, very stable electricity and water. I mean, it's dude, it's literally bubbling up from the ground Four nat on this one farm four natural springs. Just is like, look, there's one. It's bubbling up from the ground. Cause it just comes from the top of the mountain and it just gushes out of the, uh, the grounds.
0: Do y'all, do y'all have, is it, is it mostly wells down there? Like people just drilling wells or is it like no. actual water being piped in from the city or something?
1: It's, it's in either. It's actually top of the mountain. Water starts coming down with gravity and then they tube it through these big tubes gotcha. to a central place. And it's into like a reservoir in the house. And then that's where they, they pipe it from the house. Oh, okay. but it's, it's natural water coming from the mountain. And what I saw in recently on this trip, I learned was the Federation of Columbia coffee growers, right? The actual organization that runs coffee in Colombia, as a service also provides a fresh water source maintained by them also from the same source, which is the mountain. So in this farm's case, he had two, three water sources, two of his own natural, and one from the Federation that he pays X amount of pesos, a month to have fresh water.
0: Hmm. <clears throat> so what does the pay look like for the farmers and stuff down there or like for the workers? Is it pretty decent or is it like, is it, Terrible. can you make enough on a coffee farm to be sustainable down there?
1: From whose perspective, right? So from the administrator's perspective, I was just running the numbers on this last night. And as I'm sitting there and everybody's giving me information about how much they make and, you know, cause I'm, I'm planning this for my own operational costs of my farm. And if I ran my numbers right, the minimum salary plus health benefits, a little bit of pension that you as the owner pay your employed day-to-day uh, manager of the farm is $421 at today's rate. $421.
0: And what period is
1: that in? That's every month, $421 a month.
0: What can that get you down in in like Columbia, right, around that area? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can
1: eat well, you can drink well, you can't live very well, but um, you know, like I, I would get uh, so me, you know, the, the rich American guy coming into the city, I'm like, dad, let's, let's eat really nice tonight. We go to the nicest restaurant and it's, you know, it's, um, let's see in dollars, it's probably $15 for $15. Oh, wow. I ate a steak, a couple glass of wine, you know, an appetizer. And this is like nice food. This is not, you know, like, cheeseburgers and hamburger stuff right yeah if you go get a a coke and a and an empanada if you by the way if you've ever had an empanada it's game changer it'll change your life it's like these little meat patties Colombian little meat patties you know that's 50 cents oh
0: wow in
1: in, in american money but housing there isn't isn't very cheap uh, to american standards it is right but to them it's it's pretty costly they have a housing shortage there just like you hear about here in the states with of like workforce housing that we don't have enough of it they have the same problem so they also have a worker shortage so we can definitely talk about that but the farmers are struggling right now hiring workers to pick their farms there there's just not enough workers the workers are leaving the countryside and going into the cities and a big cause of this has been the pandemic kind of similar to what we've seen here in the states they have a lot of government assistance that went out and you know told people don't work but coffee was told you, you should work use these safety protocols you know use these precautions and, and still pick because it's essential we need a, we need to pick coffee we need to sell coffee it's a huge export of ours but a lot of people did not go back to the countryside a lot of workers um, went into the city and, and haven't come back um, so as I'm in the countryside talking to farmers they're struggling right now with um, with labor to pick coffee. Again, one of the three things I want to fix, and, and that's one of the reasons why is I want to improve pay and I want to improve worker conditions. The third one is I want, I want to improve education, but I'm going to improve pay, not just because I want to change things too, but also as a business, I want to attract workers out of the city and have stable workforce in the country working on my farm.
0: Yeah. So how far are you like from the city, like time-wise, would it be 20 30 40 minutes or
1: that's a great question so the city where my family's from is Armenia, and you have farms north east west south and you can get into the coffee farms probably 30 minutes 40 minutes the good ones the really exotic far ones it's about an hour and a half so i did that trip on this past weekend i went to one of the most exotic far away coffee farms at the highest elevation. It's this little pueblo, little town called Genoa, it's spelled Genova. That took about an hour and a half. 30 minutes of that is getting out of the city. And then the other hour is just, I mean, just side of the mountain, you're looking at the car and you're just cliff, right? It's just that kind of driving for an hour. And then you get into these little towns that are kind of, you know, kind of in a stick out thing in between mountains go to the town and then you go to the next mountain road into the next town and then to the next town. And then uh, yeah, it took an hour and a half to get to this one guy's farm. It's pretty wild.
0: Oh, wow. Is there a competition as far as like getting the workers or like once you have like a few workers that come to your farm, usually they, they're always coming to your farm, not going next door. or.
1: I don't know if there's necessarily a competition per se, but what I was hearing was that there's people who get, uh, a stereotype or a notoriety of treating their farmers well, paying them well, paying them on time. <laughs> That's a big one. And then there's those that don't. And so the farmer, the pickers, they'll learn, right. They'll, they'll talk because they are generally speaking one big kind of, kind of group, right. They, they, they meet each other in town, they drink beers with each other, or they're working together on, on similar farms so they kind of learn which ones they like, which ones they don't like. And, um, and they kind of go from there. Right. So there is some competition. There's some basic stuff you need to do or else you'll kind of get blacklisted. You gotcha. know, you'll know, you be known as one of those guys that doesn't have his stuff together. You know, let's not work on his farm. And then the inverse, right. Oh, he treated me really well, always paid me, took good care of me. I got to make sure I go to his farm um, in this picking season. And then what I want to introduce and this is some of the conversations I was having with some of the uh, farmers this weekend was I want to be even more attractive as a potential place to work, but not just to, you know, get workforce, but also I want to help, right? I want to get them paid a little bit more. I want to feed them a little bit better. I want to have their living conditions a little bit better. It's, it's good for business too. So
0: how is as far as like your third thing you want to do, like the education, how would you go about, you know, helping out in that area?
1: So here's the idea. I'm a computer guy by trade. You know, computers to me is just since I was a little kid. Right. And we take for granted having the access to computers compared to other countries in South America, you know, Africa, um, parts in Europe. Like there is, it's ridiculous how much access we have to computers. So as I'm sitting there at the top of this mountain on this farm, they point to me, they're like, Oh, look, you see that little, that little building right there down the mountain. (laughs) The kids, the local kids from all these farms, they go there to go to school. They, they walk an hour up a mountain or down a mountain and then walk back an hour. There's not a computer in that building, not a single computer. And so the idea is to provide computers with internet access. And it only really has to be one. Uh, but in order for them to have you know, some of the advantages that we have in order to learn things and educate and we could access to Wikipedia, um, you know, language learning, uh, things like computer programs, like typing software, just these little things that we get taught that are just part of our education system that we may take for granted that they don't have. Just to kind of try to even the odds a little bit, right? I'm not trying to force them to learn anything, but I want to. I want them to at least have the access to be able to learn what they want to learn via computer. And in my trade, you know, I can collect computers pretty easily. The the support for that can be pretty easy, and the the network that I'm in that I'm going to raise money from are also other computer people, right? So it wouldn't be too hard. I can't imagine to ask within my network. Hey, anybody got some old laptops? Fix them up a little bit and, and send them down there.
0: Oh, that'd be cool, dude. Yeah, I mean we we take all this for granted. I mean how easily it is to like look up something on YouTube and learn and like you know language software, Duolingo, like whatever. It's just yep. It's crazy how much is out there. It's just at your fingertips now, you know, before you'd be paying thousands of dollars for these courses and it's just all on the computer now. And most of it is for free. You ain't even got to pay for it. So. I mean,
1: even, even the farmers themselves, like the owners, right. They've been doing uh, one thing that people complain about in Columbia is they do the same thing like they've been doing for generations, right. A big part of it is, is access to, what is the newer things? What is going on in, in the world? Like a lot of these farmers themselves don't even own computers. Um, yeah. and you know they have cell phones now. And but um yeah, it's it's huge. It's huge. I'm just trying to make a kind of like a little little piece of a difference generation generationally.
0: Oh yeah, and that's the whole thing too, like the compound of it, you know, what it it may not be in a week or two, in a month difference, but like generations down, years down, it pays off immensely, you know. So I kind of want to go into that talking about kind of newer things like the carbonic maceration and stuff y'all do down there. Like, where was this from? This was from like the, the coffee yeah. sent me? Where so was that from?
1: You're holding a bag of green coffee that I sent you. I got it from, it's a sample batch from a farmer in Buena, Buena Vista, Colombia. It's a town up in the mountains. It's a be- it's called Buena Vista Beautiful View. I mean, this this little town is literally on the side of a cliff. It's a it's a tourist attraction because it's so pretty. And there's a farmer there named Sarah Gutierrez. She's a friend of my cousin. I was talking to my cousin. And I said, hey, you know, trying to sell some coffee. And who can I talk to? She said, oh, my best friend, my high school best friend is a coffee farmer. in Buena Vista talk to her. She speaks English as well, which is pretty cool. And she's part of this newer generation. She's a, if I have a right, Sarah, if you listen to this, please don't kill me. I think she's a fifth generation farmer. So she goes to college. She goes into microbiology fermentation and specialization in coffee in the local university. So she's, she's going to come back and do coffee. She goes and works on another farm in Colombia, And finally she comes back. She's young. She's I think she's young, like 27. And um, she comes back to her dad's farm um, with her husband who also went into the coffee specialty world in the university, more in the business route, uh, learning about, you know, fertilization and how to improve a farm and all about the numbers. So they're, they're a powerhouse couple. So she comes back, she says, dad, we're doing specialty coffee. I just learned about fermentation and all this stuff. And he's like, no. So a little bit of conflict there, but lo and behold, she, she got her way and she's making fermented coffees, um, naturals. She's making honeys. These are all things that her own family, had not been doing did not want to do right a lot of resistance there on changing what they've been doing for for years and because of that they're able to get specialty coffee prices which is able to drastically improve the profit that they're making now as a farm so this is carbonic maceration is one of these processing methods that are newer to colombia i didn't even know about it i barely know about it but it's it's some pretty funky stuff it's using fermentation. It's, it's letting this stuff ferment out with the the shell of the the skin of the coffee, cherry still on it and kind of playing with this. And it's different fermentations. It's not anaerobic. I believe it's a a little bit of aerobic. There's carbon dioxide that's, that's letting to uh, break down and sugars get affected. And I am not an expert in this. I am a sponge. I'm learning that as I'm going here, but hopefully you saw the taste is just different than some of the normal stuff we're drinking
0: yeah like most of the time like when you really a lot of the stuff from south america you kind of get that chocolatey you know like the kind of more the nutty type flavors and stuff and i don't know like this is like whiny it has that acidity to it it's that sweetness and it's it's not like an african coffee but it's 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 kind of getting towards that acidity and stuff but it's just different i don't know it's like it's hard to I'd have to definitely drink more and taste more to kind of explain it. It's just, it's a different coffee, you know, it's not, I don't know. I, I like it. I roasted on the little Cowboy yesterday and I got, um, <clears throat> I probably got enough for about four, three or four more little roasts. So I'm definitely going to do it some different ways and kind of see what I get, but I, I enjoy it, awesome. dude. That's, that's some, that's some good stuff. So are you, yeah. are you planning on doing stuff like that too?
1: Yeah, I do. Right. So I, I became, a. Uh snobby coffee drinker myself in the last couple of years. And um, as I've gone down my own coffee, you know, venture myself, you know, learning the pour overs, learning the Chemex, learning specialty coffee. At the same time, I was trying to kind of brew up this coffee farm idea. I learned about how much people make in the coffee business. And I I started learning about the stories about how in Colombia, my family, my dad's generation back, they just like quit making coffee. It just was not profitable. But that's because it was, you know, sorry guys back home, but it was crappy coffee, right? It was very commodity grade coffee and, um, you know, the market changed with Brazil and Vietnam. They just mass producing Arabica coffees and it really disrupted everything um, in history. Like if you look back at coffee prices, I believe it was the late 70s was a big boom. Everybody in Colombia was making coffee and then the 80s crashed. And so they started selling and converting farms to past cow pastures, plantains, bananas, um, pineapples, oranges, a lot of citrus, and now avocados. You go to where my family's from, and there's just farms getting bought up and just completely stripping them down from coffee and citrus. And they're planting Haas avocados because it's so profitable. And why is it so profitable? Because we're eating a ton of
0: avocados here in the states yeah avocados are expensive dude I, yeah. I love some guacamole but it's like you go through 10 avocados you don't drop like 30 bucks on freaking you know guacamole it's like crazy
1: organic avocados on top of it right you get that extra premium mm-hmm. but anyways so as i started going down this route i was like i want to make the coffee that i drink right i want these funky kind of you know, ex- uh, exotic, fancy coffees that taste delicious. That you know, you drink this cup. It's like, is this wine? Is this chocolate? Is this? So that's that's what I want to do, and also it pays well, right? So as I started talking to roasters, like yourself, and that's kind of how we kind of met. Is you know, what are what are roasters paying for a green coffee like this? That's direct trade, you know, single source from a from one farm. I could tell you what farm it was, who rate who grew it what elevation, what varietal I can, I can bring you to the farm and you can talk to her and ask her everything like that kind of coffee. How much is that worth? And and that's where I started learning. That's the more, that's the coffee with the best profit margins as a farmer or, or as an importer is getting that type of coffee, but selling it to that type of customer, which is the roasters that will want that kind of product.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, like, I only see the specialty coffee prices continuing to go up. Like, I mean, this right here, I don't know why you couldn't sell it for what the Kenyans and Ethiopians and stuff are going for. It's, I mean, it's taste wise, it's up there and it's different. It's not like it's not like it's mimicking in an Ethiopian or anything like that. It's just a different, great flavor, and it's I don't know. I I, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot we're going to learn over the next you know say five years or so, ten years on what people are doing down there with this fermentation and stuff like that because it's definitely changing the taste of the quality the taste of the coffee and yeah it's definitely a different quality coming from there like that so i don't know that's cool it's cool that you get to kind of figure out the whole process from the soil to the plant to you know basically you know to to your cup that's that's got to be that's a lot of control like of your you know of your coffee and I, I think that's like a cool kind of whole concept of everything so um as far as roasting are, are you going to get into roasting or are you going to try to sell mostly green up here and focus more just on the farm side of it
1: i am not going to get into roasting i appreciate roasters i think it's uh it's i, I look at it as an art form you know i appreciate the art that you guys put into this product that you make but i, I i'm not an artist right i don't have time for that and I'm just going to be focused on the business side and trying to kind of put all these things together in a different language, in two languages, right? and two different countries. And I I will let the specialty roasters do their thing. And I just want to introduce new coffee to them that they haven't had access to. Yeah. And, And vice versa. I want to provide access to Colombian farmers who had no, some of them had no idea that we Americans will pay $18 for a bag of coffee. And when I tell them that, like they, mind blown. They can't even imagine it.
0: Yeah, and that's like, I mean, for specialty, that's like just average now. You know, like there's <laughs> don't tell them
1: that. They they will cry. They will literally know. cry.
0: It's, it's crazy. So where do you feel like? Um, I mean, I don't know how deep you've kind of dove into the prices and stuff yet, but what would you be willing to sell, like green coffee for down there, like per pound? Have you thought about that? Like what you would kind of price yeah. it at?
1: So I ran some math on being just an importer exporter, what that looks like. So Sarah, my, my farmer who who I sent you that sample, you know, to buy her coffee in parchment, right? Before it gets milled, before it gets dry milled, in Colombia to export coffee, you have to buy it in parchment from the farmer. The to export it when you kind of take off that, that outer layer of paper from the bean. That's the product that's controlled for exportation. So to buy her coffee and parchment, to send it to a mill, to to take that parchment off, to process it, to to analyze it, and to bag it up, to ship it, to export it, to import it, I would have to buy it at $3.50 per pound. If I sold it here for a minimum of $5.50 per pound, for a type of coffee that you bought that, that you're, that you just drink. Obviously this depends on, on the type of coffee the the specialty kind of range where it's at. If, if I can at least sell it for $5 and 50 cents, I can make enough profit margin where, where it makes sense for everybody where it's a win-win um, and, and that's selling it green to a roaster here, importing it here, There's some costs here and there that I haven't figured out. Like, you know, once it lands here at the port, you know, how much is it going to cost for, for shipping? But those are, I can, I can squeeze that in within that margin. But yeah, that's at least bare minimum. If I could sell $5 and 50 cents to a roaster, I I think I'm in business.
0: Would you be wanting to do kind of like have that control or would you be going through like, you know, like a cafe imports type importer, or would you try to be focusing on individual roasters? Say, you know, ABC roaster. That's you know, that takes a good bit of coffee. If they buy like a whole lot from you or something, would that be kind of more of your focus in the beginning, selling to like pretty much one good sized roaster?
1: A hundred percent. That's my only focus. I'm hyper focused on that. I don't want to sell to these larger distributors. You know, for example, I went to a local coffee shop here in Virginia, and um, you know, I asked them. It's a, it's a nice shop. They got pour overs, X's, You know. They got specialty coffees, and I asked them where do you get your coffee from? Distributor. Right? So they they will never know what farmers gave them their specialty coffee. They can't. It's <clears throat> there's a there's a man in the middle there that, that will prevent that. I only want to sell it to roasters who I can have a conversation with and say, Hey, I just came from Columbia. I got this badass coffee, it tastes amazing. I had it sample roasted. Um, it it was certified, it, it got scored by a, a taster. You know what do you think? And they say yes. And do you want to talk to the farmer? Do you want to? Um, do you want more? Do you want something different? What? Give me your feedback so I can give the feedback back to the farmer. Or if you speak Spanish, you want to talk to her directly. That's the type of relationship I want to have, and and that's the type of roaster I want to sell to. And also because I think they're the only ones who would really be interested in paying the premium price for a very um, unique coffee that doesn't have a lot of availability, right? Like these are. This might be a micro lot. This might be the only batch of coffee in the entire world that tastes just like this because it was made once. Um, and, and, if, and if it goes well and you like it, I can talk to her and we can reproduce that and, and make you know, maybe something special just for you, just for your shop in Maine or just for your shop in somewhere in another part of the country.
0: Yeah, because I get a lot of people asking, you know, how, how can you buy direct from the farmers and stuff like that? And I don't think we really have a good system yet. I mean, you can get, you know, some, yeah. some farmer to FedEx some coffee to You're kind of like what you did. Me just sent some like samples and stuff from somebody, but it's like, we really don't have a good system where you can kind of trace everything. I, and I know like a lot of the importers do put where the farm's from and maybe a, uh, you know, some verbiage about the farm and the farmer and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely not as transparent as like, you know, like you're saying, like you, you get to, especially once you get your farm and stuff up, like, they can literally call you and say, hey, like, you know, when when's your when's your next harvest coming through or like when, when you plan on shipping and you can give them like the details right there, you know, so that's right. I don't know. I see. I don't know if I hope, but I think it'd be cool is if some of the larger you know importers and stuff, if we could kind of not consolidate it, but I feel like spread it more out through a bunch of smaller importers, like you're saying, like with, with yourself, like importing your own coffee up here, you know. I just think that'd be so much cooler to deal with individuals than some large company bringing in a bunch of coffee that you really, like you're saying, you don't, you don't really know because you're not, you're not speaking to the farmers, you're not talking to them. And I don't know, I feel a lot of people want that, but I don't know if they know how to get that right now. So that's kind of what's cool about having these conversations. Cause there's a few more people like you that I've spoken with who you know, they're, they're the kids down there that may have coffee farms. Uh, Frida is one of them. Like, I just, just interview with her. And like, so they're taking this technology and stuff and they're kind of bringing it, you know, up to, you know, Europe or, you know, United States and like showing what they actually do. I think that's just such a cool concept to see it. It's, it's not just coffee from Peru at that point. It's not just coffee from Colombia. It's coffee from Frida, you know, and, and her farm and what they're doing. And same thing with you, you know, it's like, you get to know these people like you and stuff and it's just cool to see what you are what your ambitions are what you're trying to do with it and i don't know man i, I think it's i think it's super cool so yeah. as far as your like overall goal then you want to like what what size of a farm are you trying to do
1: in colombia they have uh, two farm measurements that are different than ours they have hectares and quadras so i forgot the measurement of an acre compared to a Hector, a
0: hectare is like 2.5 yeah. or so it's like yeah it's a little over two acres yeah one hectare is like two point something acres so
1: yep so in in my head you know planning out how much money i think i can raise from my small network and then talking to the coffee farmers and the consultants about how big of a farm do you need if it was specialty coffee with these prices that you probably sell for would you need for to have a, a a profitable farm can't be too little where you know you you can't get enough, but not too much where I can't raise that money. So I kind of fell into the 10 hectare, kind of range. So the, the, on the napkin math paperwork uh, math uh, is you could probably buy a 10 hectare farm for, let's say in dollars, $90,000, give or take 10,000. And then to improve the land, to buy the equipment. So that's going to cost you another 30 or another $40,000. So we're, you know, two years later, you have coffee ready to start selling, right? It takes, takes a little bit of time. It takes about two years from what I'm being told to plant a tree, um, you know, care and feed in order to make sure it grows right, and, and it starts producing coffee, about two years. However, there's opportunities there where you can buy a farm that already has coffee planted, right? That's already growing, that, that has plenty of life left on those trees. And that's what I undervalued or underestimated when I went on this trip this past weekend was this one farm I saw, the story I just told you, he already had coffee growing, specialty coffee, already certified organic for the same price. <laughs> he was selling it for $90,000. Oh, wow. A little bit smaller farm, about nine hectares. But still, I mean, I, I, you know, I, these deals do exist. So I, I don't know if that was answering your question, but yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that yeah, just about what size you were kind of looking for that. Yeah, because I mean, at that point, you get cash flow pretty quick. If you buy that farm, then you'd kind of be able to start, you know, paying notes and stuff instead of having to wait until you actually start making money. Um, exactly. Would you be financing it through Columbia or would you be financing it up through the states then?
1: Uh, so in Colombia, it is not easy for gringos, for Americans to get loans there that mortgages do exist, right? But it's not like here where we leverage and we use debt to finance a lot of business stuff.
0: Gotcha. It's
1: it's not as easy there. And it's more difficult as a foreigner, especially as an American. I'm going about this business with the idea of I'm raising cold hard cash, right? I'm raising dollars and I'm gonna convert it to pesos when I get down there to buy the land, to buy the equipment, to fund the operational costs until we start becoming profitable. And the farm and the vacation rentals starts funding the farm. So I'm not going to use debt at all.
0: Okay. So you're not having to worry about a bank, you know, okay. That's, nope. that takes a little bit of stress off too, then I guess. So the biggest thing for you is just finding funding. Exactly. Yep. Got you. As far as like, are you going to have to build out the farmhouses you think, or not farmhouses, but the, uh, the rental property type areas, you'd have to do all that.
1: I, I, I want to, I yeah. don't want to buy someone else's already improved farmhouse, right? There's some things that I'm going to do a little differently that these farmhouses most likely will not have. For example, um, you know, a washer, a dryer, a, um, a good hot water system, right? I, you know, I, I can't help it. I'm American, right? I'm spoiled. I am not going to, and I'm not going to bring people to a coffee farm to stay there and them not have hot water. It's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so. But there's also things like, you know, some of the furnishing and finishings that that we're kind of more used to, I'm going to want to introduce and I'm not going to pay for someone else's farm. So I'm actually looking again, with my real estate lens of how I've uh, learned is I'm looking for a kind of a a house that just would be probably better off to kind of get demoed and start new. And I've already priced that out. And man, it is so cheap to build there. It is so cheap. So with my data is actually from the construction world. So you know, we've priced out like a, like a five-bedroom ranch-style house. And at the outside, it looks like these typical culturally Colombian homes, right? And the big patios on the outside with the hammocks and um, you know, all the bright colors. But in the inside, a little bit more finishes and furnishing that we're kind of used to. And uh, so that could be like 35, dollars $40,000 just, just as a ballpark. Oh, Wow. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's not bad at all. Then
1: it's silly, but of course, right? It's you get this supercharge that happens when you bring your dollars to Colombia and they yeah. get converted to pesos.
0: Wow, you can't buy a dang single wide trailer up here for <laughs> thirty thousand anymore. That's crazy, dude. When this um, guy told me
1: his farm, he's selling it for ninety thousand so dollars, I was like, "What? Yeah, ninety thousand dollars? it's a sports car here, you know?
0: Oh, yeah." So that'd be, that'd be nine. Would, would there be a house and stuff on with, with that one if you bought it? And like you said, yep. you'd probably get rid of it then and just build, build something that you want.
1: Yeah. It was in really bad shape. Uh, you know, this house was probably built, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. And then the facilities and, and where the administrator lives, that's even worse shape. And it, it actually kind of hurt me a little bit knowing that they live like that, but you know they don't complain. They're happy. They're just used to it. So yeah that would be kind of start start new there and also there's newer and more efficient ways to build the the beneficio or the equipment that produces the coffee on site on the farm. You know they they wasted a lot of space it's just kind of older technology with older equipment. We have newer equipment and newer ways newer more efficient ways to do this stuff. And so even my my coffee consultant guy who's local there, you know he walks in and he's like what a waste of space, right? We can do this differently. There's newer designs. The country themselves, the Federation of Coffee Growers, they even kind of work on these designs and show them to farmers and say, hey, you could do this differently. here's a more efficient way. And it's primal real estate. I mean, we were talking on the top of a mountain with this incredible view. And in some of these farms, they're not, or nor did they care about using it for the view. They didn't care, right? They. They did not have vacation rental in mind 50 years yeah. ago when, when they built some of this stuff. So I want to start scratch from scratch with that in mind, maximizing the view, but then also bringing in technology and more efficient ways to put equipment into a a place that can produce the coffee on site. And then the house itself, you know, efficiency in mind with the view in mind, with the um, the technology that we're going to bring in and, and the, the um, comforts that we like. As as Americans as, as well,
0: that's so cool, dude. Um, as far as your like processing methods, are are you going to, are you going to try to like process at the farm? Or I don't know if it's processed I, I guess mill. Would you try to do anything like build your own mill out eventually, or is it is it too easy just to use the mill, like in in I guess it'd be in town or wherever it's at?
1: Again, I'm I'm learning here. So from what I've learned and what I've seen, most coffee farmers. That are successful there have their own wet mill on site, right? So they, they pick the cherries, they run it through the first stage, and depending on what process they're gonna go, they're gonna either depulp it there in a machine or they're gonna let it, they're not gonna depulp it. They're gonna go maybe the natural uh, route of processing. Uh, they have their own drying beds there, either mechanically dried. Uh, I don't know if you've seen these African beds, they call, it, they call them in Claudia, yeah. um, camas africanas where it's kind of like a tent with these raised beds, or you go in the old school Colombian way where there's just this long bed on like a patio. Yeah, yeah, with this roof that's on rails. And so they'll roll the roof out in the sun and then they'll roll it back up if they know there's weather there coming. So all that's gonna be on site and I will continue to do that. It's, there's no reason not to if I have the capital, the upfront capital in order to do it. There's some community wet milling operations and, and um, things that have already started in Colombia to kind of help the farmers that just don't have the capital and have that disadvantage that will kind of keep them away from getting the best prices. I actually met a guy there who's doing it. Um, he does it in, in a bunch of different countries where it's a community project. You know, as a service, bring your cherries that you just picked to this community wet mill and for a discount, you know, we will help you do this. So you don't, because you don't have the upfront capital to buy your own equipment. But I but I'm gonna have my own equipment, right? It, it just makes sense to do it if I have the capital to do it. It's it's a capital cost up front that pays for itself over time in the long run.
0: Yeah, and it definitely gives you that control of over the quality of it and stuff like that too. And you're not I don't know if you have to wait in line or schedule and stuff like that. So Yep. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Um that's really about all my questions. Do you have anything you, you kinda of want to go over? I know you probably got something.
1: Oh, I got so many questions about roasters. So my my next big goal is trying to kind of fine-tune, you know, how much will roasters pay for the type of product that I can bring them? Both now in the immediate sense, right? Like I have direct access to farmers. They're cousins. They're friends of cousins. And um, they don't know about our world here in the States about specialty coffee. They don't – they wouldn't even know where to start on how to sell their coffee. So I've been figuring out those middle parts of the pieces, right? I learned how to export. I learned how to import. Um, but I need to learn more about the roaster side. Like, how do you guys run your, your profit margins? How, you know, what kind of prices would you pay? And, and what type of roasters? And how should I communicate with roasters? And say, I'm this Colombian-American who just went from Colombia. I just, I can get you any type of specialty coffee that you want. I really could, right? Um, how, how would I speak to you in your language um, in order to learn what you want so I can go find what you want? out the price that you want and then i can sell it to you
0: yeah i think i think price wise the best thing to just kind of see what prices would be is just get with cafe imports and see They'll, they'll send you like a login basically and uh you can kind of go and see what all their prices are like for you know their per pound uh it's like in kilos usually um, you can also get on other little sites like Sweet Maria's or Coffee Bean Corral and see what, you know, Colombian coffees are selling for. But I think what you would be doing down there with this new fermentation type stuff, I don't know if there's a, a accurate market price for it yet. You know what I mean? So what somebody's selling at Cafe Imports or on, you know, Sweet Maria's may not actually represent what this coffee should be priced at. But the thing is, like, I don't know if you're going to be able to get what, you know, a Yemen coffee is right off the bat, which is, you know, sometimes these crazy $30 a pound prices. So <clears throat> it's one of the things like I think going to the shows, especially to Coffee Expo and stuff like that, going meet meeting a lot of people like uh, if I can help in any way. And like, I mean, we can definitely talk offline and I'll, I'll try to point you in any direction as far as people that I know, you know, larger roasters and stuff like that that can probably give you a. A pretty good idea of what they look for. Um, I mean, definitely sending out samples, uh, doing doing a lot of cuppings and seeing like, oh wow, this ain't your normal like Colombian coffee or this ain't your your normal, your normal stuff. And like what could they price it at? You know, and if you find somebody that you develop that relationship with, um, maybe they are large enough where they could buy out. I don't know how much, you know, 10 hectares, so about maybe say 25 acres. I don't know how much 25 acres of coffee what that would be produced. Would that be a whole container, two containers? You know, I'm, I'm not sure, but it may be an enough where you could literally sell it to one, you know, decent sized roaster over here and they price and sell your coffee exclusively. Uh, and, and when that happens too, it becomes that scarcity thing where we only sell this. Nobody else has it. Nobody else can get it because we bought it all. And it's, you know, 20, $20 a bag because it's this type of process. So I don't know, there's, there's definitely a lot of ways. And it's one of them things like definitely something in the future that a lot of the specialty coffee, you know, people coming up from the farms and stuff like, I don't know what the price price you could get for this, if you marketed it correctly, you know, I mean, and that's the whole thing. Like it's, that's how the the markets work, you know, like what somebody willing to buy it for somebody literally may be willing to buy it for $8 a pound, $9 a pound. And then maybe somebody's only willing to, you know three or four, like, like kind of like what you were saying. So it's really just depends, you know, definitely getting some good feedback from somebody that's really good at tasting coffee, I think is one thing, get, getting it scored correctly. And, uh, you know, kind of getting that, that feedback would be, cause that's the other thing. Do you know what it's scoring at? Like, have you had like a professional yeah. creator kind of score? Yeah,
1: absolutely. They, they know the specialty coffee farmers down there know, and there's local certified graders that do that for them. Um, gotcha. They'll either send it local in town or they'll send it to some of the more, you know, well-respected yeah. creators there in, in other cities of the country.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the thing, too, is like, I mean, by the way, I
1: think the one that you're drinking, I think, 89, I think 87 or 89 was was the one that, that you're drinking.
0: OK. Yeah. I mean, that's some that's some good, good coffee. Didn't like and like what what can you create? You know what I mean? Like, what will you be able to create down there once you kind of get rolling? And like you're saying, you learn all these processes and kind of keep expanding and keep, you know, diving into what, what you can do with it. I think that's, I think it's going to be super cool, dude. Um, as far as like roasters are, are you wanting to get like a little sample roaster or something?
1: I'm, I'm thinking about it. I have a relationship here with a, uh, here in Virginia with a Colombian lady who imports and exports her own coffee from her own farm in Columbia. She moved to the States and, you know, is trying to introduce her family's coffee to our market but she became a, a certified grader and she has her own sample roasters. So I don't see the need for me to get one myself per se, but you know, I could, I, I mean, to tell you, to be honest, it would be kind of cool to roast my own coffee in the morning and have some yeah. freshly roasted coffee.
0: No, I'd say definitely starting out. Like, yeah, if, if, if she'll allow you to like, you know, even like the samples that you have go and roast with her and like cup. And for me, I wish I had more people to cup with and, and communicate with like, what I'm getting from the coffee and somebody like her would be, it'd be so beneficial to, you know, roast, roast, roast some coffee there, roast hers, roast yours, see what it, the differences are and like the taste and discuss with somebody like what you're getting, what she's getting. I mean, I would definitely go that route and stick with that if, if, if you can. Cause I mean, that's, that's some valuable information. How, how far is she like away from you?
1: Oh, she's only 20 minutes away. Shout oh, out yeah. to you, Lima, Paisa coffee, look her up. She's, so she has her own website where she sells her own coffee, and you know she can obviously do traceability because it's her, fam's, her family's farm, um, but she, she puts her coffee out there, buys the coffee, a little plug for her because she's been great and really helpful for me. I got some funny stories about how I ran into her and how I've learned about her as i traveled the country for work, and I, I go into coffee shops in Northern Virginia, and they have a Colombian specialty coffee. I'm like, oh, where do you get her from? All I get from this lady named Yolima in,
0: uh, in Virginia. I'm like, oh my god, that's
1: that's who I'm working to import and export my own coffee. That she's she's actually helping me do this.
0: Yeah, and that'd be another thing too is like teaming up with a roaster up here, um, and I don't know, creating that you know relationship where they only ever buy your coffee, and and you you never even have to really market to anywhere. There's a set price already, kind of you know from the growing season on that, like, hey, this is what you're gonna be paying for it and kind of having that relationship then it'd be cool if it was somewhere by you you know that way you could go and check on the roastery and stuff like that uh that would be a cool concept too that way you can kind of you know just keep an eye on your product and kind of see how many people's coming and trying it and stuff like that so yeah it's, it's just it's such a small world and then i don't know it's just cool to see like what people are how they're changing the business models on like you know roasting and Importing coffee and farming coffee and stuff like that. It's it's there used to be this long chain, and now I feel like everybody's trying to shorten it up. And I don't know. To me, it's cool because everybody's kind of getting more connected and knowing each other from it. Yeah, it's pretty much about it for me. You have any little last words? Anything you want to kind of go over? So the, the we last can, was... and again, we can always come back on like as you progress through this because I would like to that'd hear. Cool. You know, like once you buy the farm, like what's what? What are you doing with it? And I'd be. I think that'd be like a cool series too. Like you know, from buying the farm. And at that point, like what coffee do you have or what coffee are you going to be kind of producing? And then like, once you start selling and I don't know, it's definitely, I would like to kind of periodically have you on during, you know, whatever kind of period you're at. So. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I mean, you, you know, like we've kind of talked about in in private a little bit, you've kind of inspired me with documenting this stuff, right? I'm, I'm starting a coffee farm. Like I should probably document this. I, I, Although um, I seem to have an ego, I really don't. But um, I think people are interested in learning about starting a coffee oh, farm yeah. from scratch. So I, I, I probably should document this and maybe start recording this stuff on YouTube. So we'll, we'll definitely start doing that soon. And uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up too was I have – every time I've gone into a roaster shop, you know, my tra- I travel for work a lot. So I, I actually go physically to different um, cities in the country for work. And I always try to find the best, you know, coolest roaster shop I could find. And whenever I walk in there and I tell my story, you know, we start geeking out. I always talk. It comes up about going to Colombia. I would love to go to Colombia. I would love to go to Colombia. So when I tell my Colombian family or or Colombian farmers I'm working with or importers, whatever, about, man, there's a bunch of Americans that would love to go and do what I just did with you and walk your fields and, you know, drink your coffee from your farm here on your farm. And I, I tell them that, and they're like, "That would we would love them. Like that would be amazing. I, we could host them. We can bring them chocolate from the cacao that we grow here. We can bring them these avocados and plantains that we grow here and feed them here. We could take them to the river and show them how the old ways of doing things. We could put them on a burro and some donkeys, and you know we could we could put the funny hats on them. We could do everything,
0: and, and then we could also go that.
1: to the roasters, yeah, and, and and do that process and bring them from bean to it's a cup, and, and there's a guy in Colombia who I've been uh, working with who's already doing that, and um, you know trying to either help him scale out and, and do more of it, or do my own kind of variation of it. But that's definitely something I want to do is not necessarily to make money, but to provide that experience because I can't. Right, I, I'm bilingual. My family lives there. You know, I I I can walk you through the airport and have a bus pick you up. And from there, like you're good seven days and you're, you're taken care of. I would love to do something like that. And and I'm getting a lot of guidance and a lot of push, um, you know, that this is something that there's an appetite for both from, from the American side of people who would want to do it, but also from the Colombians, you know, anxiously awaiting to, to, to help facilitate this.
0: Yeah. And I think as a specialty, you know, market grows over here, people, you know just getting more and more invested in specialty coffee like i speak to a bunch of people that want to go down and visit and you know the the, the biggest thing i hear is you know either um you know safety issues or, or whatever just time and stuff like that but there's there's a bunch of people that want to definitely want to go so i think that'd be super cool if, you know if you can if you can get this off the ground and make it work like and and again like i said uh once you know periodically have you back on and once you once you open the doors and get everything, I'd love to promote and kind of, you know, help you get your first bookings for sure. So that'd be super cool. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you. So well, Marcy, I appreciate you coming on, dude. And uh, let's stay in touch, dude.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Later, bro. Bye.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Coffee Runs Deep podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a blast speaking with Mo, and I'm looking forward to visiting his new farm one day and riding some of those burrows also thanks so much for the patrons that support this channel i'm going to start doing a coffee giveaway every month for a certain tier and i will also be doing a giveaway on the 20th episode release haven't decided what it will be yet but we'll see i'll see y'all next week love you guys